Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm talking about The Siege of Skyhold by John Bierce. So let's defend the magic of books. Wow, guys, I I just can't explain how impressive and amazing this book was right now. I mean, I'm sure that if I could, if I want to, I could probably nitpick a little bit and find some things like maybe he doesn't have to explain everything to us kind of over and over again that we know how certain things work, but I'm not really going to fault it. This was a hugely fun book, a very intense book. There's a lot of emotional beats that get hit on multiple layers. There's not just... There's the fun action-packed scenes, there's some heartfelt scenes, there's again, those kind of growing scenes that we talked about. There's just so much. This was intense. All right, let's just try and do a little bit of a non-spoilery section. As I'm sure you guys know from the name of the book, The Siege of Skyhold, there is a siege at Skyhold. The Havathi are advancing and they're going to attack. Now, they're not sure why. Well, we're kind of sure why, but we'll talk about that in a little bit when we get into the spoiler section. So let's see, I liked, I thought this book had a really good atmosphere. The There's certain scenes that we'll talk about where we could talk about them a little bit. There's a scene in the Great Library that's very kind of like, we were following somebody around who doesn't know where they're, doing, where they're going in there. And I, you get that feeling of like, oh crap, I'm lost. I have to go this way. I'm trying to get out. I have to escape. And that was really, like, worked really well for me. I liked when we got into everybody's head as we switched, we're getting more viewpoints. And we're seeing more and more other characters' viewpoints. And so I like that we're getting them. And they all feel unique. You know, they're not just cookie cutters of the same people or the same kind of thoughts. We're getting different views. And it's really nice to see that. And also the sound of the siege magic. That was some, that was something that really contributed to the atmosphere, you know, before the actual siege kind of stuff started. Just the fact that this background noise, you know, through the siege and the weapons hitting the, the great wards is just going on and on and on. And it's drowning out everything else. And not even drowning everything out, but it's just there and always in the background. And it's just wearing down on your morale. And there's just, okay, we're just going to get into this because there's so much, you guys. I was writing down all like my favorite scenes and not even my favorite scenes, but just like things that were really funny and like nice to talk about and good, you know, and it just keeps going and going. So we'll talk about the uh, Great Wards for a second. So they're talking to Kanderon as they're headed back because he was obviously injured by the when they went to retrieve the exile splinter he's getting healed and he's doing much better but he's still coughing a lot doesn't have a strong of lungs and they're like kandaran we need to go back you need to do this you know we need to have build it boost up our morale and she's like you know as far as morale goes i found the best solution to that is just killing all my enemies everybody's morale is great afterwards and everybody's like well okay yes this is true, but like, there's a lot of other things we need to do. They finally do go back. Let's just get this plot out of the way. They make it back to Skyhold. Skyhold starts preparing for a siege. Hugh, Talia, Sabe, and Godric are sent out on a mission to meet up with the herdsmen. The herdsmen is sided with the Havathi. They attack. They blow up the sun fence. They basically let loose all the sunlings. And then they're brought back to prepare for the final, you know, siege. The siege happens. There's a lot of fighting, and it was some pretty good written fighting, in my opinion. And I think it's hard to write sometimes fighting scenes like this, because how much weight do you give to the magic scenes? How much weight do you give to them creating their spell forms in their mind? Do you spell out every single punch, everything they do? 
do you generalize it? And I think John Pierce has done a really good job of kind of blending this where we're getting to see kind of the behind the scenes and the internal and we're getting to see the external a little bit. But and then that's the end of the scene. And that's the end of the siege. They're able to fight off the great powers and Heliothrax, the great dragon who has decided to throw in with the Havathi. And he throws in he she I don't remember if it's a boy or girl right now, but Heliothrax is the dumbest. I mean, just I cannot imagine you are a great power. You are the the great power, basically. Everybody kind of looks up to you. You have a solar affinity, one of the most powerful. You are always in sunlight. You have a, th- a special attack spell named after you, the Eye of Heliothrax, that basically only you can perform. It melts sand into glass in just the regular daytime. You, are, you have a dragon affinity. You've remodeled yourself. You're nigh invincible. And the way the Havathi gets you to join their side is they hide your home from you? Are you kidding me? You, I just, you are a great power, a super great power. And they hide your home from you and they're like, yeah, sorry, nothing we can do about it. Like, you're just going to have to help us and join with us. And, you know, we'll definitely pull those illusions off of your house and your lair and you can have those back. Yeah, you know, and Kendra, Kendra is like, did they kick you out? Did they finally push you out? And it's like, no, they just hid it from me. And you're going to take it lying down and you're not going to fight them and attack them. You know, I bet if you killed that illusion mage, guess what would happen? I bet you'd find your home. But how the frick do you lose your home? It's your frick, it's your home. Sorry, I'm not trying to, to get too into this Heliothrax, but like, come on. Like, you are, ah, I just, I just can't understand. So you're going to go with the people who definitely, who did this to you in the first place. They hurt you. They did something against you. And now you teamed up with them. So they will undo the hurt. And I'll crap gold. That's what's going to happen. Yep. They'll release you and I will crap some gold and be the richest man in the world. It's a win-win for both of us here. And clearly the Havathi have never broken a deal in good faith. They've clearly never done anything bad. Oh, wait. What was that? Uh, what was that uh, continent? Nope, not continent. What was that republic they used to look up to? The empire? The Ethonian empire. Oh, my gosh. And what did the Ethonian empire do? Ethonian, Ethonian. They did a lot of really 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 bad stuff and you're gonna follow in their footsteps you're totally gonna just let everybody be free heliothrax is you know is a walking time bomb for you guys but he's an okay one because we had to trick him to join our stuff you know just let's get let's go move past him there's so much we have to talk about here they all will go back to hugh and the gang right they get their extra planar storage that's a pretty fun scene they're getting it and talking about it talia has to get it the only spot she doesn't have her tattoos which is around her mouth so she can make it look like she's pulling i mean i guess they can make it look like they're pulling anything out of their mouth anyway because as far as i can tell they don't actually have to like reach into their tattoo to grab it like um Alustin can grab it from wherever but like i guess in the beginning of course it's easier if you kind of make it work that way but so she's like spitting up weapons and pulling them out of her mouth super funny and let's talk about kind of their level up let's to say for this book so talia gets a bone ward inscribed into her bone some armor so that she's a little bit more protected and she's not in danger because she can't use generic wards because they cause too much fire hurt her too much sabe she gets the best she gets her fluffy cloud armor no i'm just kidding she gets storm armor but she's finally figured out how to combine the wind and the water into you know a storm and then to use that as her armor with her lightning and i like that sabe has a lot of talking about like what's her purpose going to be she's like what do i want to be what do i want to do like i want to be a battle mage but like why do i want to be a battle mage what does that mean for me am i going to be a battle mage and just be a mercenary 
And she's like, no, I want to take down the great powers and I want to stop them. And it's so good to see that like everybody is like supportive of her, like Kandarin supportive of her and Alinea, her grandmother's supportive. But she's like, her, her grandmother's like, I, you can't do it. It's really tough. Like if you can figure it out, then do it because I'm the last one. We can't pass the storm seed anymore. It's too powerful. It'll kill the next person. And she's like, I dealt with this power by just becoming a monster. Like, yeah, I killed thousands of thousands of people with my storms and my lack of storms because of my power but that's why i drink so much i can't there's nothing else i can do i have to be strong enough to prevent to protect our family because if i don't then another great power will come in and take over and kill us all and we'll all die and you know be spread apart and scattered but she didn't want to do that she wanted to be like Sebe. she wanted to change the powers and just protect her family but the world they're in is just that's how it is right let's talk about godric for a minute so Godric gets an elemental into his suit, into his uh, armor suit, which is pretty cool. Like they take two weapons from the Havathi sacred swordsman and they basically sacrifice them, combine them into an earth steel elemental. And then that elemental love lives with uh, Godric in his extra planar space, controls his armor, basically just keeps the uh, mana flow running. Super impressive. And it was so fun to see Clancastus who have come to help the siege because it sounded like fun. And they're also here to steal books, but that's on the down low, of course. They are helping Godric do this because this is one of their things. They use it with fire elementals, not to necessarily bind them to the thing, but to create them. And this is going to be a bit more of a permanent one, right? But he's like, this is so, like, does anybody think it's weird to sacrifice two weapons? And the clan caster's member's like, oh yeah, this is super unethical. It's basically human sacrifice. And everybody's like, oh, well, it's not really like they're very loyal to Havathi. They're just bad. And he's like, yeah, I can't lie to myself about this. Like they are sentient beings that we are about to kill. And so it's, you know, I have to keep myself honest about this so that I don't go too far because they are specifically weapons. They're not. They're, that's the weird thing. Like, are they living? Are they not? They have an undying hatred of you. They did try to kill you. Uh, so, you know, they use them and he gets his, his elemental frees up his armor a lot. He, it's so fun. Now, Hugh has been working on a special Storm Ward crown. Oh, sorry, I spoiled the name of it. The Just basically wards on crystals that he can reconfigure and throw around. And he they name it the Storm Ward's crown. And in my head, for some reason, in the beginning, I thought he only had like three to five that three to five that would circle around his head and then they'd kind of either go out and do something or they just like he'd use them for artillery artillery sounds way too long range now he would use them for whatever but there's he actually has a lot more of them he's got like 20 plus and he's using them to create all sorts of wards and wards and move things around so many just there's so much there there were so many good fights in the scene where hugh and talia and Sabe and godric are fighting Amelia, the crystal and shadow mage and the way they stop her. But then Hugh actually just kills her kind of in cold blood. And it's like, she wouldn't have stopped anytime. She soon, as soon as she got shadow, she was out of here. And that was, that was intense. That's a, that's a deep moment, but we're going to get to another deep moment in a second. And mackerel, our boy mackerel's growing up and he is scared slash bewildered by pine cones. You can use them to ward him off. He is so mackerel is so funny. He's kind of evolved from like the super joke. And now he's kind of maturing and growing up and he's getting better. And Hugh teaching the first year warlocks. That was such a nice scene where he's just like, you guys, I am so tired of listening to you talk and talk and talk about this thing that he is just like, please pick a partner, pick something like do the work. It's just, it was so funny. It totally reminded me of kind of being a, a an upperclassman and trying to help people below you in your group. Right. So, but I think we're going to have to talk about the biggest sadness, though the second biggest sadness, because we haven't even hit the most important thing. And I have like I'm already 13 minutes in 
All right. Arthur dies. That was so heartbreaking. He goes to fight uh, Heliothrax to help save Kandarin. And he, he destroys his ring, which has all of his iron in it, the huge, huge iron mountain. And it does turn the tide of the fight. It destroys, it stops the Hydra. It stops Heliothrax in its tracks. Heliothrax still lives through it, which I was like, uh, come on, Heliothrax, just get out of here. Because I'm already mad at Heliothrax from the earlier rant, right? He's He hasn't redeemed himself yet. But Arthur just goes out like a boss, and he it was so just tough i mean godric's dad is dead now i don't know where they're gonna go next or how they're gonna well i do but for the purpose of this episode i don't right they there's so much going on and to throw uh, I, there's always obviously going to be some deaths in a siege but to kill arthur arthur this was just kind of a, a a gut punch and we also lose lorna of the vaults that was a tough one i liked lorna a lot she's always kind of funny they have that nice autism rep you know she's you can clearly tell that she's at least uh, autistic or Asperger's or high functioning to mid functioning, right? And I loved her viewpoint that we get where she talks about her feelings towards certain things and the way they are. And it just, it totally clicks and it was done, I think, really well. And I love that she's got, she's the super warder, right? She makes wards, in insane amounts of wards, and she has wards in her chalk cloud that's always kind of surrounding her. And most spells don't make it past the sixth or seventh layer because it stops a little bit pushes that information to the next sec next section that stops a little bit pushes it to the next and i'm like that is just amazing so smart so intense and then the way she kills the tarnassus champion the traitor by sucking all the air out of his thing so every time he uses a wind blast he loses more and more air until the differential pops and it basically like just destroys him along with her daggers of course but like just so good okay one more thing we're going to talk about and then we're going to get to the true sadness here alustan's trek through the great library with valia that was impressive where they're chasing him and he sets it loose an origami swarm on them and valia's like you can't keep doing this like i have the echo or the atuma uh affinity which is a very impressive attune attunement it's the uh, echo attunement basically echo or ripple or kind of reverberation almost and so you you attack one thing and if you can make it affect multiple things that are very similar so you slash one piece of paper you slash all the pieces of paper but all the origami swarms are different animals and they're all kind of mostly unique papers and so they're too separate for the sympathy link to work and he leads them on a merry chase through the library with the sacred swordsman oh boy yeah this is why you don't go investigating into the library until you're trained somebody gets turned into a book somebody gets dissolved multiple people get eaten by origami swarms some books just straight up kill the people because they've attacked them right it's very scary if he's able to lead them through well not lead them through but to shepherd them through and this was the scene where that you were in valia's viewpoint and the scene is just like okay i had three people okay but now i only have two people where am i going to go next i have to get to here first i need to go this way we have to get out of here now i'm all alone i just have to escape it was very intense and it was very good but then this leads us to our our most heartening betrayal our saddest betrayal not heartening is very unheartening betrayal alustin betrays Kandarin and attacks her through the warlock bond that Hugh has with her because when Kandarin first pacted with Hugh she had too many clauses because she didn't trust uh, Hugh she couldn't know how he was going to turn out so she wanted to have enough clauses to protect herself but this causes their pact to be 
kind of brittle, you could say. And so he's able to attack her through that with his new affinity, an ink affinity. So he was dangerous with just a paper affinity. Now he's going to be super dangerous with an ink affinity. He does kill um, Val Anders, the Silk Mage, and the Ceramic Mage, who was able to stand up to Heliothrax. So that is a great feet there unfortunately he killed them so this does not leave a lot of goodness for skyhold right he's totally injured Candoran. she's now in like hibernation status at the end of the book and he's taken the tongue eater and at first i was like oh elustin you can't take the tongue eater everybody only speaks athonian it won't it will just kill everybody right except for like the rodhan who have their own language but he's like no no he's going he took the stomach of the great of the tongue eater and he's going to break all the languages out and they're just going to destroy the world right who knows how far they'll spread or if they'll stop it anywhere right and this is where we're getting a lot of multiversal stuff we see that there are patrons basically behind the havathi empire and kandoran and they're in a shadow war and that's why kandoran can't directly go attack havathi not and she also doesn't want to she knows she made a mistake using the exile splinter the first time she's not going to do it again no matter the cost. But Havathi's doomed to die anyway. They just had a major defeat. Tens of thousands of soldiers and battle mages and arc mages. The three or four great powers at the minimum have died of theirs versus a couple on the uh, Skyhold side. And we learn that the Athonians stole the Tongue Eater from someone. Like the Athonians didn't even know how powerful of, a, of an object they'd stolen. So I would have to wonder if they were using the kind of most basic function of eating a language and then storing it. And it's got even worse things behind it that could be released if Alustin breaks it. So I'm really interested to see where this next book is going to go. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Oh, also the library and Errants basically all betrayed Kandoran as well because they want the they want Havathi to be destroyed. And we learned that Alustin's betrayal is really only two years old since they were in Therish Tal when he gets the letter under the the door and he you know uses in his jail and that's what he kind of forces him to break out and you know we kind of all assumed it was about the Theris Tal incident but no it's about this betrayal that Kandarin doesn't want to destroy the Havathi you know well she wants to destroy them outright but she doesn't want to be like oh, yes here's a plague here's a sword that creates unstoppable fires let's go just run through that destroy that in a day and come back you know she wants it to be nicer it's less catastrophic you know she's trying to look out for the small people Part of why she sponsors so many liches is to also end the great powers, but that's it, you guys. I'm sorry. I talked a lot about everything. There was still so much in this book that we're missing. I just, I'm excited to see what happens next in the last book. It is called Tongue Eater. I, I'm really excited. I don't know where I, I hope to see where this goes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. If you have any questions or comments, please send those to LibromancyPod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember to defend the magic of books. <laughs> <laughs>